Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major players in podcasting. You can find our content. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, at LonghornPod. Feel free to shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by the millennial husband himself, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, uh, three months strong of this husband game. I, I pretty much got it all figured out by now coming in with a uh, a pretty stellar debut season. I'll say this, Gerald. It's the first, uh, first week of fall. I forgot to tell you on our, our Tuesday show that uh, it's pumpkin spice latte season, baby. It's been football season for a couple weeks, but it's sweater season. It's leaves changing, autumn, crisper air. It's fall. How you feeling? So it's still like 100 degrees in Oklahoma most days. I say 100, <laughs> like 95 degrees. And it's been like overcast and rainy, so it looks like fall. And then you walk out and you're like, oh, this is miserable. I actually, um, on Saturday, tried to like do the hoodie. And I got like a new Texas hoodie for my birthday. And so I was like, I'm going to try to rock this with some basketball shorts. Walked outside and immediately was drenched, drenched in sweat <laughs> because it's still like 90 degrees, even though it's raining. But it is fall. It's fall. It's football season. It's bye week for Texas. They've been playing football for eight weeks straight, so they finally get one off. And so this is where we would normally our kind of preview show for the next game. We don't have that. Uh, we initially planned on having uh, Coach Seahorn on, uh, Daniel Seahorn, our Burn Orange Nation recruiting writer. Uh, but he we had some scheduling issues, so we're going to try to get him on for next week to kind of look at the rest of the 2020 class. Maybe do some 2021, depending on uh, how much time we have. But what we want to do is we want to preview the rest of the season because that's really been, uh, you know, this is what the preview show is for. So let's, let's fill that slot, right? And so uh, what we're going to do, because Kyle and I love our somewhat witty, uh, mostly idiotic names for segments, we, we, we came up with a, with a segment we're going to do really um, to kind of look at some trends for, for the first four games and kind of look in and kind of discuss what we think is going to bear itself out for the rest of the season. So we're going we're gonna to each go back and forth and talk about a trend and kind of ask a question, and we're going to respond with whether or not we're feeling bullish or if it's a bum steer. So if we're feeling bullish or if it's a bum steer, and that's a, that's a really dumb name that I came up with, but I'm kind of super in love with it. Oh, it's not dumb at all, Gerald. This is clearly our segue to becoming the official podcast of the Texas Monthly Magazine. So, uh, you know, look us up. Um, remember us when we're, when we're famous and dignified writers of, of Texas Monthly. No, um, I love it. I think it's a good name. I think we should we should jump in. Let's do it. So uh, I'll go first. So Sam Ellinger uh, through the first four games uh, is having just a monster start. He is breaking Colt McCoy records and tying Colt McCoy records. Uh, 1,237 passing yards, 15 touchdowns. Um, he, he probably will likely break the, the single season touchdown record. That's probably not uh, something to argue about or discuss. But what I do want to talk about is is he's on pace. If he if he hits uh, 300 yards for the next 
eight games, which is what his average is, he will hit somewhere in the range of 2,400 yards plus the 1,237. So he'll be right about the 36, 3,700 yard mark. The Texas single season record, which is held by Colt McCoy from 2008, is 38.59. So he's within striking distance. Now, so that's what I want to know, Kyle. Will Sam Ellinger set the single season passing record in his junior year just like Colt McCoy? Are you feeling bullish or is it a bum steer? This is a tough one to start here. Um, Are we both going to answer this? Because I I have a feeling... I will respond. I have a feeling we might differ just slightly. I think this is the 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 50-50ish that I'm going to go 51% bum steered. I hate to associate anything with with the Ellen God as uh as as being bum steer. Here's why though. Um I think he's going to get more than 300 yards in in, in a few games. I think in Oklahoma, I think both TCU and Kansas State have the potential um to to kind of be shootouts. Iowa State, Baylor, TBD. I worry that against potentially West Virginia, certainly at Kansas, um, probably Texas Tech, and maybe be even one of those other ones I mentioned, that it's another two of the first three games of the season, the starters got to 38-0 to zero and then got yanked. I'm not saying we're going to 38-0 to zero all these teams, but there is a chance, especially as good as our running game has, has looked, what we saw this week with Keontae Ingram kind of taking a step forward, um, I, I, I wonder if he is going to get all of the chances to throw all of the passes um, with the schedule coming up if Texas is at their best and goes and plays defense and holds the teams and the other weapons on offense are going. I, I don't think he's going to miss by much. I'll say that. Um, but if you're going to make me definitively say if he's going to break this record this season, um, I'm selling a little bit on that. So I'm going to call it a slight bump steer. I put this in here because I knew we would probably debate about it. And I, and I think the the struggle with this is that he's going to end up probably playing more regular season games than Colt – or not regular season games, but overall season games than Colt McCoy did in that year, right, for him with the Big 12 championship game. So he's probably going to play at least 14 games this season. And so I think those ones where he probably gets pulled early, he's still going to put up like a 250 spot. And so you add in a Big 12 championship game, Texas can lose one regular season game and still probably make the Big 12 championship. Um, and then whatever bowl game they play in. So like, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty bullish on it. Um, but again, it's it's one that, thir- like when Colt set the 3,800 uh, record, it, it felt like one of those unbreakable records. And I think at some point within the next few years um, under, under Tom Herman and Tim Beck, one of these quarterbacks is going to break it. That's fair enough. I, I think if you're, you're you're taking out the yards per game, you're adding in the Big Twelve championship, some of those types of factors into it, then I think certainly. And and again, I was never too sour on it, but I think that certainly is some interesting data to consider in this. Um, I'm all for it. Trust me, I'm all for that happening. <laughs> all right, so um, I'll move on now to if he's going to throw the ball, someone's got to catch it. Right now, the guy uh, who seems to be his favorite target. Is, is not necessarily the person everyone s- suspected, but the the dude, Devin the Duve, um, is off to a, a blistering start himself through four games, has 39 catches, that's first in the nation, zero drops again, uh, tied for first in the nation, 24 first downs, first in the nation, uh, eight broken tackles, top five, 131 yak, top 
top 10, 248 after the catch top 10. So right now, there's no question that he is one of the best statistically receivers in the country. He's done it against a really good LSU team, did it against a really dynamic Oklahoma State team. Plenty of games, as we said, to be played. Does this trend hold up? The question is, Gerald, are you bullish or is this a bum steer situation of Devin DuVernay making first team all Big 12 this season? This is one that, like, one, I think is just incredible that we're having to have or getting to have, not having to have this conversation, but getting to have uh, this conversation. So I really, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling bullish on it because that that inside receiver position is just so important to the Texas offense, and I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to stop spamming uh, that pass, especially as Colin Johnson comes back and kind of comes back and kind of changes what teams do schematically. And I think the biggest threats and the biggest dangers to this is CD lamb at OU is a guy that everybody loves. And is probably going to have, if OU makes another March to the big 12 championship game, uh, CD lamb will likely have a big, uh, a big season. Uh, Tylen Wallace obviously had his worst game of the year. That will continue to be his worst game of the year moving forward. And then I think he and, Colin Johnson, especially if Colin Johnson comes back and has a good close to the season, will likely split the Longhorn vote. So I think I'm I'm unfortunately think this is a bum steer, and I think it's ridiculous that that I I feel that way. You, you know, I thought we were going to have a disagreement there. I thought you were talking yourself into it. I was really really listening. I thought you were there. Um, I, I think you're right. I think you hit all the things. Ceedee Lamb. I think Tylen Wallace. Obviously, I think Jalen Ragor, a guy uh, we're not. You know, haven't talked about is just electric. He's going to have the highlight plays. Um, Denzel Mims at Baylor just again is getting the lion's share of Brewers looks there, um, and they're not particularly great. Um, and so I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Um, and then, like you said, I, I think the danger comes from his own team of this pace not necessarily being sustainable. Teams have tape that on third down, Sam looks to hit Devin Duvernay. This this week, half his catches were on third down. If I'm a defense, I, you know, the way people have tried to do with Wes Welker, um, it's not the guy you typically double, but on a third down situation, you're putting a safety and a linebacker in his zone and saying, okay, go to someone else. And does that mean that he's hitting a back out of the backfield where a linebacker is? And does that mean he's looking the other side to Brewer or Jake Smith? Does that mean that Colin Johnson gets one-on-one coverage? And that's where you're looking um, as he's done. Does, Does Eagles get involved in a little bit of the shorter game? There's a lot of weapons. Whittington's going to be back at some point and you're just going to want to get the ball in his hands. So there's a ton of weapons. And, and right now I, I just can't imagine an offense this loaded that you have such a strong um, lean on, on the Duve. Um, I, this is one, I hope I'm wrong. And I think right now, if you made the voting, he would absolutely get it. There's no doubt about it. He might make an all American team as the numbers we just read off, but um, I think he'll still make, a big 12 team, but I think we're in agreement that this one might be a bum steer. He's uh, probably going to end up on the second team and we will cuss and fuss about it when that comes <laughs> out. Uh, this is probably a little bit of recency bias from me, but whatever Keontae Ingram showed uh, against Oklahoma state that he can be an elite runner. He shed the knee brace that some felt were kind of robbing him of his, of his decisiveness and some of that burst. Uh, he, he had a career high in carries and and uh, carries and rushing yardage uh, with 21 and 114. Uh, he's on, he's got 295 for the year, 295 for the year, which puts him right at uh, right below 900 yards 
on the regular season. So again, factoring in a potential Big 12 championship game and a uh, and a, a bowl game, does Keontae Ingram break 1,000 yards rushing this season? Feeling bullish or bum steer? I'm feeling bullish on this. Uh, again, it may be a subject of recency bias and hoping that he took that next step. Uh, an interesting set, in Tom Herman's time at Texas, only four players have had 100-yard rushing games. Only two of them have been running back. Two are from the quarterback position. So this is only the second running back to get 100 yards with Tom Herman calling the plays. We know that Tim Beck likes to mix it up, get the ball shared around, not get the workload too high. That's understood. But if Keontae Ingram is clearly your best weapon, I mean, even with Whittington coming back, even with Roshan Johnson, if he's the guy you're giving him 15 to 20 carries, and the reason that I'm saying this is is if you count, again, the same that you're taking your Sam Ellinger out, if you're counting all the extra games as well, um, is that offensive line. The offensive line in week four looks so much better than we thought it would. So if they can continue to improve, um, you know, if Parker Braun continues to do what we knew he was going to do, Anglo, what he was going to do, but then Kerstetter kind of takes that step. Cosme keeps seeing dollar signs and Shackelford keeps being the sweet angel prince that he is. I think there is a chance that he just wills his way to it. Again, if whoever's going to get 15 touches a game behind that 20 touches a game, behind that line and again even if it's a shootout doesn't mean that Herman or Beck want to get out of the balanced running game it's just they don't want to do it with their quarterback like they did last year um you know so I I, I think I think yes and and this one is the one that I put in there because I was waffling on it and wanted to hear your your reasoning behind it because I think he's got the ability and he's got the offensive line to do it, especially if he's able to run like he did uh, against Oklahoma State on Saturday. I think the biggest threat to this is Keontae Ingram himself. Hmm. I think the biggest threat to, is Keontae Ingram himself. Uh, we saw it against LSU. He kind of gets inside his own head. He gets a little indecisive. Now, he wasn't that way against Oklahoma State. That's the most decisive I've seen Keontae Ingram uh, since his time at Carthage. Like, he definitely uh, was was a different running back on Saturday. And so, uh, I, I'm I'm kind of like you, Kyle. I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm feeling moderately bullish. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like a, I'm like a 55%. I think he can do it, uh, but I think he could potentially get in his own way. All right. I mean, we'll keep with the running backs here. I, I, I think this this ties in pretty well. So after Keontae Ingram, who the second running back is, depends on who's healthy and, and who is playing the best at the time. We have, obviously, Roshan Johnson has been filling that spot due to the injuries, but Danny Young did see some reps against Rice. Seems to be um, working his way back in. Kirk Johnson was dressed for the Oklahoma State game, is cleared to play for West Virginia. Uh, Whittington right now has a mid-October um, release still um, to to get back from the sports hernia injury. Um, so at that point, you have to wonder where the carries go, what the share looks like. Roshan Johnson's rushed 34 times for almost 150 and a touchdown. Caught the ball pretty well, 9 for 76 and a touchdown. So my question, Gerald, are you bullish or are you feeling bum steer? on whether Roshan Johnson plays any other position besides running back in 2019. I'm not the guy who thinks you should lose your spot to injury. I, I don't I don't think that. But I think Roshan has played his way into seeing the field uh, as often as he should. We were talking about it, um, I think, on the Tuesday show. But, like, a guy who's willing to potentially sacrifice a redshirt season to for what's best for the team – 
uh, and played really, really well in a spot that he had only played when he got started for about a week. Like he's earned his spot. And I think I would be, I would be frustrated with this coaching staff if they did anything other than find ways to keep Roshan on the field. And he is a threat, I think, wherever you put him. And so I'm feeling pretty bullish. Um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say it like this. I'm feeling uh, bum steer that he plays a, that he only plays running back in 2019. I think Roshan likely plays that Ramont's Taylor. You don't really have a position. We're just going to put you on the field and treat you like a playmaker, whether it's, oh, we're going to run a double pass. Oh, we're going to run that reverse flea flicker pass. We're going to do some crazy things. We're going to put you out in space and let you just be an athlete. So I, I'm feeling a pretty bum steer on the fact that he plays running back only because I think they're going to get creative and reward um, his selfless move to, to move to running back. I think you got it nail on the head. That's the exact right answer. I, I do think, remember the fact that, so I'll say this, at worst, he will be the third running back on the depth chart. The third running back at Texas does sometimes get some carries, right? So at worst, he's he's the third running back. But remember the fact that Whittington wasn't necessarily a running back. He was pressed due to all the injuries, the Darian Brown um, not being able to play football this year um, injury, of course. He was pressed into that spot, and he wowed. Um, some, some kudos go out to Stan Drayton because he's now done it twice, um, taking guys who hadn't played a lot of that position and got them to look really good in that position. Um, we've seen more of it, actually, from Roshan Johnson up to this point in real live game time than we've seen from Whittington. So maybe that means that Johnson is the backup running back and Whittington plays more of that Ramonts Taylor. Maybe it means they both do. Um, I, I can't imagine some trickeration where Roshan doesn't get to throw a pass at some point this season, whether that's out of the receiver spot, lined up in a, a wild horn, if you remember the yesteryear, something. I, I, I think they get him somewhere, somehow, some way on the field somewhere other than running back. Yeah, I, I think he's he's just gonna see the field. And again, I'll be I'll be shocked and honestly pretty sad if they do anything other than that. So we gotta switch to the defense really quickly, I think. Uh so currently Jeffrey McCullough is tied for second on the team in tackles with twenty third. Uh Caden Stern leads the team. But Caden Stearns will likely miss uh two games, if not more, dealing with a leg injury. Uh so what I wanna know from you, Kyle, one of the guys that we said in our season preview needed to show something for Texas was the shark Jeffrey McCullough. And he is playing really well for Texas so far. Uh, So are you feeling bullish or is it a bump steer that the shark finishes the season as the team's leading tackler? I'm selling on that one. I think it's a bum steer. Um, I, I think there's a couple reasons for this. I think you have a Brandon Jones playing in the nickel. He's going to be up near the near the field, and I think he's going to play. I think Stearns, um, whoever's our safety, is going to probably get the most tackles every game, just the way that we play in the Big 12. Um, if that's not Stearns, uh, again, I think Chris Brown, I think Foster, I think Overshawn, I think these guys are all going to take tackles away from Shark. And I honestly am going to say it this way. I think there is more to be shown from Shark than he's shown so far. So maybe I'm wrong when he takes that next step up. But I almost wonder right now, the way Juwan Mitchell's been playing pretty well, um, the way Osai just never gets off the field, if there aren't some packages that he's not in as much, if he's no longer the first linebacker off the bench, um, which is not what I expected coming into the season. And, and he hasn't played bad. Don't Don't hear me say that. I just wonder if there are guys who are playing him off the field or, or, or again, 
if packages and, and lineups will dictate something else. But I, you know, I, to me, I just don't see it. I see him being in the top five. I, I certainly can see that. Um, I just don't know that he finishes the season. And, and again, I'd be happy to eat my crow, but I'm, I'm pretty bum steer on that. Yeah. I think, I think Brandon Jones is, is the biggest threat to this. Uh, I, in the, in the last, you know, again, three years under Orlando, it's either been, it's either been a linebacker or a safety that leads the team in tackles, which is a pretty safe trend. And it's, it's been, you know, the, the guy that plays in, um, in, in Caden Stern's position generally is the one that, that does it, but Stern's in injuries are, are becoming a thing with him now. So I think, um, I, I want to see more and I really just want to have a discussion about Jeffrey McCullough. Cause I think he's an incredible culture guy. And I think he's a guy, um, that, that deserves some success, but I think this linebacker crew is way deeper than we thought it was going to be. Uh, and it's way more talented than we thought it was going to be. And I think he's played really, really well, but guys like, you know, Mitchell are taking times and, and Osai is, is all over the field. And I think, especially as Texas plays, um, some of these more spread teams as they had, you got Baylor still on the schedule. You've got, OU still on the schedule. They're going to see looks with fewer linebackers and more defensive backs. And so I think through no fault of his own. Now, again, McCullough is a guy who generally finds himself out there on a lot of these passing downs and a lot of these passing uh, situations. But I really do think, um, Brandon Jones is probably the guy that finishes with a team lead unless Stearns comes back in and really it crushes it. Yeah. And, and I'll say this is, is, um, a guy to watch who may not be at the top of your list right there, but who's only, um, I want to say, eight tackles behind him right now. It's a long season left. Uh, is B.J. Foster, who should be coming back healthy. Um, if he slots into that Stearns role, and you know as long as he's healthy, he's going to have a spot somewhere, whether it's in the Joker spot, whether he's back deep, um, wherever it is that he's playing. He's a guy who can just hit people, will hit people, will always be around the ball. And if it's not pure solo tackles, just racks up a ton of assist tackles, and all of a sudden you look at it, um, and he he's right up at the top. So I think you're right, though, that, that Jones is, is towards the top. But I, I feel feel remiss if I don't mention, of course, I mentioned Osai and Jones, but if I don't mention um, my dude B.J. Foster. All right, so let's switch it up again to coming off the Oklahoma State game, the least appetizing of the three fronts of war, the special teams. It was less than special this week, but we are only four quarters removed from an unbelievable ending to the Rice game with Deshaun Jameson taking housing a 97-yard kickoff return end-to-end with electric speed. We saw last year against Kansas State a punt return for a touchdown. Um, we've seen some game breakers, a lot of team speed on this Texas team. So the question I'm asking here, though they currently have more special teams turnovers than touchdowns, will Texas buck this trend and finish the regular season with more touchdowns from special teams than balls given back to the other team? I think so, because it, it, it takes... Um, you said more. So man, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking cause it's, it's two to one right now, right? It's, they have one special teams touchdown and who is the tough one and, and uh, two turnovers, <laughs> man. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go bold with it and say yes. Cause I think, um, I think I really do think Jake Smith cracks one. I think, uh, they're going to, I think they'll leave him out there. Herman kind of took some of it on himself in post game, uh, after, after the two fumbles. So I do think you don't want to shatter a freshman's confidence like that. Like, Oh, you had one bad game. We're going to give you the, the hook. I think you give him a short leash. If he has another one of those, you're like, Jake, you gotta, 
we're gonna we're gonna do something different. Um, and and I don't think Brandon Jones does whatever he did against Oklahoma State trying to slide and save that. That was just just super dumb. Um, I, I th- I'm gonna go with I, I'm feeling bullish on it. I'm gonna say it, Kyle. I think. I think Brand, I think Brandon, not Brandon Jones. I think Jake Smith is going to have one, and I wouldn't be surprised if Texas returned another kick for a touchdown. Before I, I give a, a rejoinder here, listeners, tweet at us with replies of Texas. Is Gerald the optimist or the pragmatist? Am I is Kyle the optimist or the pragmatist? Are are, are both of us one or the other? Please let us know because it's hard to know what roles we play. We often switch them up a little per, per narrative, but uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Who Who is the optimistic one? And, and I'll put that out there again. Hit us with replies to Texas on Twitter. Um, to say, to you're being optimistic, Gerald, and I appreciate that because that means two to zero right now where we sit. Because I phrased this question like Vegas. You got to put some, some spin on your odds. It has to be more. So they have to have two more touchdowns and zero turnovers to get more, right? To flip it three to two. I am, I think this is a bum steer, and maybe that makes me the pessimist. I'm okay with them getting another one. I could even see them getting another two, which would be a really special, special teams year. Maybe they get a kick return again and a punt return or two punt returns, whatever it is. I see another boneheaded place somewhere, whether it's a punt that bounces off of someone that's not paying attention because we have injuries forcing guys into spots they may not always be, whether it's, um, trying something razzle-dazzle and it doesn't come off, whatever it is, I can just see one more shenanigan. I hope I'm wrong. Again, a couple of these I've said what I feel, and I and I, I caveat that with my hope. And my hope is that I'm so wrong about this, and we have six touchdowns and zero special teams turnovers to close the season. But I'm selling on this one. I'm a little bit bum steer here. See, I think the, the new fair catch kickoff rule also plays into my thoughts on mm. this because – if something's going weird on a kickoff, just call a fair catch and it's going out to the tw- the twenty five, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I think that that also because like again, if it, if if you see the 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 coverage not there in front of you, just wave a hand, just wave it up, <laughs> take it to the twenty five, be fine with it, don't do anything stupid. And I think I really think like because this was so close to costing Texas a game that they should have won by two, if not more scores. I think this is going to be a big focal point moving forward. And, and that's never been a thing under Tom Herman. Like I can't remember. I I don't, I don't recall off the top of my head, um, a game like this or even, uh, too many special teams turnovers in the last three years. Yeah. It's, it's not a super frequent occurrence. I just, I just wonder if, if, you know, a team with a lot of really incredibly talented young players on special teams doesn't make one more mistake or just plays it safe the rest of the year, you know, and they're fair catching everything. They're letting stuff roll and you just really don't get the chance to score two touchdowns. Um, so I, I'm double hedging my bet here that I think it could be one or the other. It's like away goals in soccer. If you're up, you know, you could kind of just play defense uh, because you can win two ways. You can win either by uh, winning or, or just by winning the, uh, the, the number here that again, you got to get two to make my odds there. So let's switch it up now. Let's move into my favorite section here. The burnt orange lenses, how we take all of our listeners to take the glasses, put them on, view the world with the rosy, beautiful shade of burnt orange. And we have to start with QB one and a half. Oftentimes it was, are you team Sam, team Bush, the bigger divide than uh, I think it was who Edward and Jacob. Um, 
when he left the 40 acres, one thing we all agreed on is that no matter who you supported in your quarterback choice, you were rooting on Shane Bouchel as he finished his career up at SMU. And and so far it's proven to be electric. It's been a fantastic second game to watch on Saturdays. In fact, they had this week's installment on the big screen in DKR before the kickoff. Um, and it was a doozy. SMU with the upset win over oddly ranked TCU, who slid into the number 25 spot. Um, some voters did have them ahead of Texas. Just remember that. Um, Bouchel got the win. 41 to 38, he got them out to a lead, staved off a ferocious TCU comeback, really just kind of saw it through to the end with a with a Bouchel type game, made big plays when he needed to, kind of saw the team through, um, almost 300 yards passing, just a good team performance. It's hard not to root for these guys, especially again, I'll reiterate with those utterly fantastic jerseys. So Gerald, besides the Longhorns, is there anything more exciting than what's going on with Bouchelle. No, and and I love seeing and you and I talked about it at length last year. Like I wanted Shane to 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 transfer and do what he's doing right now. And I believe I called SMU on a couple of different occasions. Um, and he has never looked better doing it. Like uh, I say never looked better. The 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 white Dallas uniforms mm. that they're rocking are are just they they are just so pretty. Like I think I think he may have chosen SMU because he's like, what team has away jerseys that will make me look as almost as good as I did in the Texas Stormtroopers? And it's it's these away like white it. on white Dallas uniforms. They're just, ugh, it's so good. I'm so excited for for Shane. I'm so happy for him. I agreed there. So this week is an interesting one because he takes on Papa Charlie, uh, his old coach, the old the old coach at UT. They they left and have have met again. Takes on Charlie Strong in the the South Florida uh, Bulls recently with a with a win. Um, they are off the Schneid, um, but but SMU trying to keep their unbeaten streak. Do you have any Do you have any bold predictions here on the Shane versus Charlie matchup next week? USF is so bad. Like <laughs> I I I think I think they're gonna they're just gonna run and roll with it. I don't I don't think SMU has any problems with with uh, USF. Yeah, sadly, I think you're right. I would love for... for... Do, you th- do you think Shane flashes the horns down? <laughs> I don't think he would because um, he, he hates... Uh, he, he loves trolling his OU family uh, just by coming to Texas. He would never give them the benefit of that. Maybe the horns sideways. How about that? Um, neutral, neutral horn infraction. But no, um, <laughs> let's keep it moving around college football. Rice... This week, our former opponent, who we put a shellacking to, remember, it was like 200 and 300 yards to, to, to 60 yards when the starters went out, 38-0. to zero. They really just showed that they are different classes of teams. No shade at Rice, really rooting for that program to get it together as well. But Rice gave a Big 12 opponent a scare this week, coming off of a bye week. The Baylor Bears eked out an 8.21-13 win over the Owls. Rice next week plays another former Longhorn opponent, the 3-1 and one Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, which somehow, someway gives us like a measuring stick for how good the rest of our schedule is and I think tells us if we're going to win 10 games or not. The sports transitive property is the is the most Im- impressive thing that I, I do every year. The mental gymnastics, just incredible. Uh, keeping it moving to with former opponents, Joe Burrow. 
Unfortunately, a couple yards shy, did not get 400 yards against Vanderbilt. Had to settle for a paltry 398 and six touchdowns. Again, Vanderbilt is like Kansas. It's not that good. Um, He was kept in the game because Vanderbilt scored all over LSU's defense, which is a little weird. But Burrow at this point legit looks like a Heisman favorite. Um, Has to be in the shortlist. Tua will get the love, but it's hard to argue against what Burrow's doing right now. I... I could see a situation uh, where where Trevor Lawrence gets in there, sneaks in there somehow because Burrow and, and Tua split the SEC votes. And so some guy – I also – and this is just a, a side that has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Jonathan Taylor needs to be in the Heisman conversation, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's dumb that he's not. Just That's just yeah. an aside, and I'm getting off my soapbox. Yeah, the, the quarterback bias is real. I get it. We play and spread them out, throw them all around offenses. The quarterback touches the ball every game. I get it. I get it. I get it. But he's an old school throwback. Ron Dane, Ricky Williams, guy's going to get yards, get touchdowns, can't be stopped. Again, if you think Texas's line is good, tune in on whoever they're playing on uh, every Saturday and watch the ridiculous ridiculous Wisconsin line just create holes but it's not that he's not doing something with those holes um the guy is electric so yeah they're they're a fun team to watch actually and I got no sadness watching them dominate Michigan um moving on to teams that give me no sadness when they lose the Aggies proved to be the kings of garbage time they are crushing it in fourth quarter when nothing's on the line love a backdoor cover (laughs) <laughs> the kings of the backdoor cover uh sadly not many people have been there to see it because kyle field the the best fans in the country as they say looked about 70 percent empty um with with a few minutes left uh in the aggie auburn game uh, as they did with clemson getting that late touchdown it was 28 13 with three minutes left there was probably about 85 aggies left in the stadium to see them again best fans in the country undoubtedly um see them watch Jimbo earn his money because he got it all the way back up to a 28 to it went from 28 to 10 to 28 to 20 game, keeping them somehow in the top 25, which just makes it more fun every time they lose. Now let's take a quick look at some losses that, uh, that did happen around the country here that we're not super happy about. Mac Brown falls to app state 34 to 31 and also falls to Owen two against teams, not coached by former direct reports. Um, they had a game tying 56 yard field goal that was ultimately blocked. That would have sent it to overtime. Tough loss for Mac. He's had two really close ones in comeback efforts. They have a fun team. They, they seem to like to get down and then have late rallies. Uh, they should probably not do that, but, uh, also oddly Mac falls to Owen two against teams from the state of Carolina and they still have Duke on the schedule. Um, but they can make it two and zero against the state of South Carolina. They just beat a little team called Clemson next week. Can you imagine the collective like mind losing that would happen across the country if Mac Brown and UNC somehow upset Clemson? Like the 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 pearl clutching from people, the backflips they're gonna do to to, to wash this one away. Uh, actually, no, everybody's like wanting Clemson to not be as good this year, and so I think it they would. Just, I told you. Then, 
<laughs> ACC is not like Paul Feinbaum would have such a field day with this and use it to prove that Alabama actually won the national championship last year. Oh no. If that happens, it's going to give us another Alabama LSU national championship rematch. Um, except this one would actually have lots of yards and points, but I do on the note of SEC, I don't want to leave this week without leaving it out because you probably have had SEC fans in your mentions. If you've ever tweeted anything about the Longhorns, somehow they're attracted to us like flies to a, uh, those lights that kill them. Um, the SEC is really, really bad at the bottom. Like, I'm talking Sunbelt bad at the bottom. They have four teams at the bottom of their conference who I am positive would lose to every Big 12 team. We're including Kansas in that, absolutely. Arkansas this week lost to San Jose State. Last time they were seen was Chris Warren running for 300 yards um, against them. They also squeaked by FCS team Portland State by a touchdown to start the season. They're bad. Like, they may only win four games this year. Tennessee... Uh, has a nice little thing going where they've lost to every FBS team they faced this season. Same goes for South Carolina. The Gamecocks, sorry, coach and waiting Will Muschamp has lost to every FBS team. Uh, and then Ole Miss lost to Memphis. And then Cal this week, just on the most dumb SEC stuff you've ever seen. Um, go and watch the end of that game, clock management, uh, if you want to see why the SEC is overrated. But just so you know, there's real good teams at the top, decent teams in the middle, and awful teams at the bottom. The SEC the most overrated conference in the history of sports. I'm going to argue with you and push back. The SEC is three teams in a cloud of trash. It's like three yards in a cloud of dust, except um, it's an overrated conference that people overhype every year. I do not want to watch another uh, seven to six slugfest that people go on and on about how good the defenses are. The quarterbacks are trash. If it's not the top three, if it's not to a from or a guy that somehow is probably the best of the three, Joe Burrow, like if it's not one of those three guys, there's not a quarterback to be found in that conference. I think it's true. I think I think they, they try to play Big 12 offense and they just don't have the uh, the quarterback play to do it the way we do. But it's cute that, that after mocking for years, now they're they're trying to catch up. But Gerald, I think that's it for this week. I'll just end on one thing. Little Jordan Humphrey. Got called up to the Saints 53, man. I'm excited. Plenty of stuff to watch on Sundays. Longhorns all over the NFL. They played the Seahawks this week. He didn't get on the field, but you did uh, You did see three Longhorns after the game hanging out. Love to see it. Keep, keep getting Longhorns in the NFL. It's the only reason I'll watch on Sundays. Did you see Did you see the, the Ravens sideline with all of those Texas players in the defensive backfield? It, yes, it, it was so, yes, fantastic. Also, I'm going to leave it to you because you sent it to me. Please describe the interaction between Earl and Deshaun Elliott on the Ravens sideline. Yeah, and that that was like what I was hoping to get to. This is like a weird like bang the drum two days late. But Deshaun Elliott was, was making some jokes about he hadn't heard the, the name of Earl Thomas all game. And Earl just responds, well, I play free safety, so that's a good thing. And like, just, just the way that he so nonchalantly just shut him down was just a thing of beauty. It was, uh, it was, it was just, just so much fun. Like he didn't, he barely, he barely even looked up at him when he said it. It was just like a, it was, it's kind of like, uh, so we got, we got kittens, which was probably one of the worst mistakes of my life. And we also have a 60 pound, um, mutt is Abby. She's a great dog, but like the kittens will try to like bite her and play with her and she won't move. Like she doesn't even wake up most times. That's what Earl Thomas looked like. <laughs> 
Except that one time when, when Abby finally wakes up and just swats him off the couch. That's uh, that's what Earl did, and I appreciate it. So that's that's it for this section for the Burn Orange Lens, and I think that wraps us up for this bye week. That is all we've got for you. Uh, somehow a heavier show than we anticipated in our preview without a game. Uh, Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me at Kyle Carpenter. You can find me at Texas Pregamer. You can find me going way over my uh, expected time limit. On this podcast and our podcast Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Apologize to your wife for me. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook 'em. Hook 'em. Be Earl Thomas. Be Earl Thomas.